the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. Leo Phillips here with This Must Be The Gig, your backstage pass to the world of live music and performance. Every week we bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names on this gigantic big spongy globe. I talk to my guests about passion, first concerts, insights into the creative mind during this very, very unusual time and everything in the Juicy Center. And this week we are joined by the delightful Jojo. Sometimes I'm stretching, I'm like, woo, that feels too good. Like, because it's amazing. It is an amazing experience to be present in your body. I'm so thrilled to have her here. And Engineer Adam. Hi. Hello. Hello. Do you want to introduce our guest today? Yeah, absolutely. You might remember Jojo when she burst onto the scene at only 14 years old with her mm -hmm. 2004 debut single, Leave, parentheses, Get Out, which is an incredible jam that I can guarantee is already stuck in your head just from having heard the title. <laughs> After releasing two albums as a teenager, a dispute with her label led to those tracks being held away for years from online streaming and purchasing and etc but uh, after settling the dispute five years ago or so she re-recorded everything and started putting out new music and conveyed a whole new sense of strength and ownership and if you want to hear more about that i interviewed jojo last year for the grammys and you can find a link to that story in the episode description and that's not even mentioning her acting career starring in films such as rv and aquamarine which we do chat about on the show today <laughs> But the entire evolution continues with her brand new album, Good To Know, which was released on May 1st, just a few days ago. Jojo breaks her story into three clear chapters detailing excess and self-realization and growth in the soulful and R&B tinged tunes. 
And in this chat, I spoke with Jojo about sharing her life's trials and joys, what she learned from the late Robin Williams, her quarantine island discs, and dreaming of Joni Mitchell, and a lot more. So let us not be delayed. This is me and Jojo. Enjoy, and please take care of yourselves and everybody around you. Hey, this is Jojo. Hi, Jojo. How are you? What's up? I know we spoke maybe a year and a half ago for the Grammys, actually. And um, that was a whole different phase in your life. So I'm so glad to be talking now. But on your track, Small Things, you're singing about how when friends are asking you how you were or how you are, you know, like you're looking into what is your truth, like and saying like you're getting good at holding it in and holding your emotions, which I think is really so necessary now to even just talk about that concept of like, you might just throw out how are you, your friend might say something just to mask their pain or mask what they're going through. And it's kind of like you'd need a little bit more empathy now almost, you know? Yeah. I think that the times that we're living in do require more empathy and more space for different um, for people handling this differently you know what I mean Um, with with small things that song that you're talking about it's kind of how I realized that I was good at compartmentalizing my my feelings and and just kind of pushing through that was like my standard operating procedure just like not even considering how I was feeling or, or how I was coping, but just like pushing through, not asking questions, kind of keeping my head down and just like, like bulldozing. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the healthiest thing. Sometimes it's really important to feel your feelings. I think we should feel every feeling, even the uncomfortable ones, even the ones that like, wow, I'm, I'm really sad or I, I don't know what, what I am right now. Or, and, you know, and take, take a moment find the give yourself the space and the gentleness to to not be what you think you should be in that moment which might be you know I think I should be strong I think I should be happy you know like maybe maybe you're supposed to go through what what you're going through oh god yes and vulnerability there's like so much it's a superpower in actually being curious and asking questions about yourself so like if somebody asks you how you are I don't know I had such a wonderful chat with a friend the other day and she said something about like what about actually taking a moment even if you are wanting to to just you know because sometimes to enter into a full conversation about how you're feeling is actually a lot of work right but she was saying yeah, it can be very labor intensive. Right. And also, you know, it's a bit of you. Like, you don't always have to give so much. So she was That's just right. saying, like, if, wait, maybe it's okay for me just to say, like, let me tap into that for a moment, you know? And, like, let me actually mm, just I love that. take a breath, tap into it, and go, like, is it honest for me to divulge right now? Is it honest for me to face my own shit right now? And then go- navigating Ooh. in that way, you know? And I just, I like, it just made me feel, like, really heard, really supported, but for myself, not necessarily what she was saying. You know what I mean? And it, I like, think that's such, oh. a, such a cool um, tool, like, that, that, that you can use when, when, when you feel and just know that, like, 
it's okay to not have the answer right away. I think sometimes we, we feel like we, we have to have the answer like within half a second because we just want to keep things flowing or we don't want to make people uncomfortable. Rock There's nothing that. wrong with taking a little time yes. to check in. But on that note of making people feel uncomfortable, I mean, you as an artist, you're putting everything out there because this is your story, right? This is your, you know, on Good to Know, this is this is everything that's happened in your life. But you also put out versions of those moments as well. It's not like you're recording yourself like a big brother. You're putting out what you want to talk about, you know, so that's also really fascinating for me because as an artist, you how do you draw that line between putting too much out there and then also feeling okay with people just knowing that, creating their own myth or stories about it and you carrying on with your life? For me, the way I think about like songwriting and, and making bodies of work is that I hope that in me being as raw and like sometimes just like grossly vulnerable, um, it, hopefully it can allow people to like take their own journey and like put themselves in, in, in the song. Cause that's what I do with my own, like when I listen to, to music as a fan of music. Um, so it's, it's, it's less about like, Oh, what are people going to think about me? And more like, um, I am just living and evolving as a person. Mm-hmm. And I tend to write from where, where I'm at and be drawn to songs that like represent that. So um, I don't feel like a sense of like needing to create an image that's right. perfect or um, I don't know. I've made a lot of questionable decisions with my personal life. So I write, I write through it. Like, you know, I've, and I, I don't know. I just, um, I, I don't think about like, Oh, am I going to divulge this? I'm just like, yep, I guess this is what I'm doing. This is it. <laughs> Right, this is coming out. And I love that you, obviously, you're breaking the record down into clear chapters, telling that story of self-realization, excess, and also growth. But were you conscious of wanting to arrange the record in that way? Because it's almost like a trajectory. Like, we get, we get, we start out with you telling us the story, getting to realize what you need to do to be on your own, and then, you know, at a latter sense in the record, you becoming a better self and yourself, you're like knocking on that door of self-love essentially. So was that a conscious Mm. decision to go through that phase or was that literally just how you were writing? Nope. It was not conscious. It was just, um, how, how life unfolded. And that's where where the project came from. It just kind of met me where, where I was. And I, I came into this really, really, um, unforgiving of myself because uh, I had gotten out of a relationship. I had told the man that I loved that I cheated on him. And, uh, you know, I, and then I faced the consequences of that, which was him not talking to me for two years and that's, you know, our relationship dissolving and I understand, but I hated myself, girl. Mm, I was God. so upset. I was like, why did, why did I sabotage this? Why, like, why don't I feel like I'm worthy of, of love? Like I really needed to go deep. So first I dealt with that by like wanting to escape and like, you know, go out and like make out with random boys because that's how I've coped in the past. And then it's like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to like drink, drink to excess. I don't, I don't, I don't just, it just doesn't feel like I'm honoring my, my true self by engaging in those behaviors. So then I realized that I've never really truly been on my own and that I, I, a lot of decisions that I made were because I felt insecure and I didn't know myself and I didn't know my boundaries. And I wanted, I was looking for outside validation 
instead of really like having this well of self-acceptance and validation within myself, I, I didn't have that. So I, I took the time over the year and a half that I was making the album to, to be by myself, to, to like address my patterns, to be deeper in therapy, to like set up a, a routine for myself. Even um, life, life is uncertain, but there are certain things you can control. And I started to focus more on those things. And then like with that practice and I, I looked, you know, I picked up my head at the end of the year and a half and I was like, damn, I'm, I'm proud of me. <laughs> like, you, yeah. you, you know, I, I have changed. I am growing. Like, I don't need to be that person that I was ashamed to be because I made a decision right. um, out of insecurity. You know what I mean? Like, just because I, just because I did a bad thing, quote unquote, doesn't make me a bad person. Like I can, I'm still worthy and growing and imperfect and perfectly imperfect, you know? And, um, I, it, but it took me a, a journey to realize that. So I, I just wrote through it. I wrote where I, where I was. And you end the record with that, with that song, Proud. Who's actually speaking on that song, on that track? That's, that's my mom. I had just gotten off the phone with her, like, early on, actually, in the writing process. Mm. And, and then, you know, I was just really sad. And I was just, I was just like, how am I ever going to forgive myself or move on? Like, I, you know, I, I think this was my soulmate. Like, I'm never going to meet somebody ever again. You know what I mean? And I just felt so awful then she after we hung up the phone she left me a voice note to continue on our conversation mm. she was like you have to live in the present joe you know like you're just gonna you're just gonna be sad and, and depressed living in the past like all we have is right now and and i just i saved that voice note and i sent it to my producer Lido, and i was like maybe we can turn this into an interlude or something but he ended up making it into this fire beat and and then i wrote a song on it with my friend Kennedy and um so first Lido was like playing chords and and had that beat and then I had um Thundercat come in and replace the piano with bass and it's one of my favorite songs from from this era yeah absolutely it's so there's so much uh in there it's like it's just this little puzzle piece but there's also you know dipping back into that mindset of going through all of those experiences and then reminding yourself at the end that even though you work through things and you have your routines and you get over things and you know you work through it it's still you always need that reminder because again it's it's just a little it's like a little that memento at the end of something that like just is a little push yeah sometimes you have to come back and uh, like you said have that I like the idea of a, a memento because, like, wasn't wasn't there that movie where he had to like keep writing things on himself yeah. to remember like who he was? Exactly. I think that's what I've done with <laughs> with with my tattoos. Like, I look down and I'm like, oh, like I have the serenity <laughs> prayer wrapped around my wrist. Like, yeah. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the mm-hmm. courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Like, mm-hmm. that's my memento, and I try to live by that. Some, sometimes it's easier than others. Pause the, the podcast. podcast. <laughs> I couldn't even get through that one. Every week it's better. <laughs> it's time to step away just momentarily from the conversation with Jojo and share a little something Engineer Adam and I like to call the live, live show, show of, of the week. week. Don't get out. Stay in.
Hey. She wrote a song about that too. Yes, we'll she did. We'll link that in the episode. We'll have so many links. Okay. This week, we're highlighting a special way to share tunes with your mom for Mother's Day. Ooh. As Billy Bragg and City Winery are teaming up for the Can't Be There Today All-Star Special. And that's this Sunday, Ooh. May 10th at 5 p.m. Eastern. Which is... 4 p.m. Central. Which is... 2 p.m. Uh, uh, PST. Uh, PST, Pacific Standard Time. Um, if it's 5 p.m. Eastern, that would make it... Uh, um, 5, 11 p.m. in 10, London. 11 in London, and then 12 midnight in South Africa. We're covering all the bases for oh all you God. listeners out there. <laughs> also, what is City Winery before we get into the lineup? City Winery is a sort of family of venues. There are a handful of them in big cities. There's one in Chicago. There's one in Boston. There's one in New York. There are probably others that I'm forgetting off the top of my they head. They usually have tables that are barrels, right? Yes, that is true in the entryway. <laughs> and it's usually seated. It's, a, it's a seated venue. They do a lot of great intimate shows, oftentimes acoustic performers, that kind of thing. And okay, so who's on the lineup this Sunday? Well, the lineup includes well. <laughs> the lineup includes past podcast guests oh. Andrew Bird and oh. John Darniel from the Mountain Goats. Oh, two of my favorite shows. As well yeah. as Roseanne Cash, cool. Rufus Wainwright, and Loudon Wainwright, the oh Indigo Girls, and so many more, including many to be announced. Okay, so all you have to do, listeners at home, pod people at home, is tune in and buy a ticket for just $10 at citywinery.com. That's C-I-T-Y-W-I-N-E-R-Y.com. At which point you'll receive a little link to a private YouTube stream of the event. And as if that wasn't all heartwarming enough a hundred percent of their net proceeds will be donated to the united nations foundation fund which addresses sexual and reproductive health and rights during the covid19 pandemic that's so fantastic it would make a great gift for mothers or just for yourself or just for us <laughs> so just send 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 us a link to the send show. us a link to the show we will be supporting and also consistently supporting charities and mutual aid benefits over the course of the next few Absolutely. months like we've been always doing each week if there's anything that you love that you want us to support please reach out at this must be the gig at gmail.com and one more thing you might have noticed that this is episode 99 so what Shabam. better way to honor episode 99 than to go and rate and review and subscribe on Spotify, on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, give wherever you're your... listening to podcasts, go shout us out a little bit. We'd appreciate it. And give us your 100. 100% rating? I don't mind a 99 in in honor of 99. Okay. I don't mind anything. I, yeah, I'll take 99. The best thing about the algorithm and the reason why we have to unfortunately be begging yes yeah is because the way that the algorithm works is that if you leave a comment other people will find it and find you it doesn't it's like the comment is a little lever that goes shushing and all the beautiful shushing mm -hmm. it's like pulling a lever on yes. a slot machine absolutely and, and you the come minute up you with put your money in which is you're putting pots, your words baby. in then out comes all the other people <laughs> outcome was all really the podcast episodes it's and true though another thing you can do to celebrate with us for episode 100 coming up next week we would love it if you sent us a note to this must be the gig at gmail.com with your favorite episode to give us 
uh, just which episode it was, a favorite story from that episode. We also would love to play some sound clips. If you want to send us uh, an audio clip, just take a voice recording on your phone and send Mm -hmm. it straight to us. We'll include you in the episode. So once more, send it to thismustbethegig at gmail.com. And with that said, let us return to this week's interview. The episode 99, back to me and Jojo. Enjoy. You talk about routine, which I think is just such a beautiful thing to bring up because it's everyone has their own little kooky traits and things that they do and the habits shift and change mm. over time. I mean, just looking like even just at my desk, I don't know what your workspace looked like when you were writing, but like what I do is I like to write down the little notes or even if it's an adjective that I, I love or a word that feels like really squishy or gooey or, you know, those words that like mm. you can just like bite into, then I'll write it and yes. put it up. And then, I, and then I have to look at it and remind myself like, this is the way that you can feel at any point, you know, this is, this is, mm, you, I can, love that. you know what I mean? You can dive into it. So what did you, what did, do you write little scribbles? Do you record voice notes on your phone? How do you make sure that you like constantly have that curiosity reminding you other than your tattoos, which are like living reminders, <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you have around you? My smartphone, yeah. my, my friggin' iPhone is just, everything like yeah. I really would be lost in that it is an extension of me because I yeah. have so many voice notes and and different note sections with like working titles or poems or just like quotes that I love or conversations that I want to remember but I've also started physically writing again like the practice of putting pen to paper and I'm really enjoying that I'm, I'm doing um have you done the artist's way or have you read that book Oh my God, that is so funny. I was just looking for the copy this morning. I shit you not. No way. I shit you not. I was down in the okay, basement that is looking for my copy. Very I, that's very serendipitous. <laughs> thank you for telling me because I was like, do I need to read this again? So yes, there's my yes, answer. Confirmation. Because <laughs> um, I'm, 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 I'm listening to it on audiobook now. I, oh I read it God. years ago and now I'm like doing the morning pages. Yeah. Now I don't always like, Last night I was up till four and then I woke up at eight and started doing interviews this morning. So I didn't oh like gosh. prioritize waking. Like I wanted to get yeah. sleep more than I wanted to do my friggin' morning pages. Yeah. So I'll do and them I later in the day. But like, but I do commit to like, to getting that out, that brain drain. I really do believe in that. And like, I just want to nurture my artist because there, it, it is, um, I, I don't know. I used to think that like hearing people talk about it, a daily practice or whatever sounded so fucking like oh ridiculous Absolutely. and like privileged but right. but but I believe in a daily practice yeah. now I do I yeah. think we can all have <laughs> one too. and then I think it's great I think it's helpful there's other ways to do it as well like it's so telling that medium and that mode even just waking up as a creative sometimes like when you feel a block or you feel the heaviness most people will just be like just get out there go for a walk right now not a lot of us have that so even if it's just mm. about like stretching your neck or like wiggling your toes mm. or like you know moving your wrist in a certain way or you doing some sort of I don't know flexy 
work on your back that you roll your back out you know there's tiny stuff that literally oh my god that stuff can feel orgasmic if you are actually in the moment with it like sometimes I'm stretching I'm like whoa that feels too good like because it's amazing it is an amazing experience to be present in your body and to like have the privilege of being able to connect to it like yeah I I also like another practice that I, I should be more consistent with but during in quarantine I have been thinking so much about what I'm grateful for. And I'm so grateful for like a healthy, able body. And if we have one, we are doing, we are so blessed. And so many people can't even say that, that they have healthy, able bodies. So like stretch it, move it, you know, even if it's just from your couch, your bed, like. No, absolutely. From a performance standpoint, what were you doing to make sure that you were nurturing your, you know, your body and yourself, all the years that you were performing? But what are the things that you turned to in terms of the habitual routines? What did you turn to to make sure that you your voice was okay? You were okay to step out there. And even in some of your films, I actually watched RV the other day, by the way. It was so great. <laughs> it is so great. One of my one of my faves. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have so much experience in so many different mediums. What are the resources that you make sure you have in those processes? Well, having a good relationship with my body has been something that I've worked towards like over the past few years because I used to think of working out or you know, eating a certain way as something that like I had to do because I wasn't good enough because, mm. you know, I, I didn't look right. And, you know, I was like from a young age kind of given some information that had affected me in that way. So over the past few years, I've like found what I really love and what makes me feel strong and capable and confident and like I like to feel like I could kick somebody's ass. That yeah. makes me feel powerful. So like, I like yeah. mixed martial arts. I like weightlifting. I like running. I like feeling like I could like, like if someone came up on me, like I could just like chop them in the neck. I don't know. Like that's <laughs> just, I like that. That yeah. makes me feel good. And so, and it also really helps with my performance on stage. I, I like, I'm, I'm focused on like, um, goals that I can see. Like I, I used to not be able to run a mile and, like I was asthmatic as a kid and, um, and now I can, you know, get on, get on the treadmill or the track and run a mile and I can do sprints and stuff. And like, that makes me feel like I'm just making little progress, little victories every here and there. And I took up pole dancing that made me feel <gasps> divinely feminine and oh, sexy God, and yes. very strong. And it's something that I wouldn't have been able to do if I like, didn't have the experience of like weight training in the gym and sure. things like that. So I, I don't know, th- th- things like that excite me. Um, and And then as far as taking care of my voice, I just learned how to tailor my lifestyle into like being on the road. So like, I just don't talk over loud music. I don't go to clubs and um, I, you know, I don't yell. Um, I don't drink to excess. I have had like vocal trouble over the years with, um, you know, overuse, misuse and you know, had to, I got really sick and just had a lot of trouble with my cords. So I I just realized that I'm working with, um, everybody's cords are different and you have to learn how to take care of yours. So a lot of like anti-inflammation, uh, ways of eating and thinking and living. 
Yeah. And especially because when you did start performing, you were at an age where I suppose things are still forming, you know? Oh, my God. I, so... I didn't have to take care. Like, I didn't take care. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I had never taken a singing lesson. Yeah. I was eating like, you know, McDonald's every day, which is right. which is fine. Kids should eat whatever they want. But I'm saying like, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat like 12 chicken nuggets before going on stage today just because right. it's too much grease and like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't eat that way anymore. Right. But it's just funny. It's I funny. know. Did you get any sort of tips and tricks though, like when you did start? Because I do, I feel like the your film and your acting performances and your live performances, of course, it's coming from the same breath, but you're using such different... Uh, techniques and you're using a different side of yourself because of course your your music is from you and when you're playing a character it's something else so did anyone give you any sort of tips or tricks in terms of how to make sure that you can get on that stage act and then the next day maybe be on a tour you know how did you navigate that uh, balance between those two things I'm sure people did give me tips, yeah. but I don't really remember. And I, yeah. I do wish I had a, a mentor through it. And I'm, I'm actually, um, I would still love a mentor. And then I would love to, you know, lend the experience and information that I have. And I'd love to like be that to, you know, to younger people coming up as well. But um, yeah, when, when I was, when I did like a couple movies back to back, I didn't really have to um, compartmentalize. I was like fully focused on making those movies and then fully focused on recording an album. So like they were separate. They, they, they didn't, um, I didn't have to like switch on and off. I do think it's amazing when people like Jennifer Lopez, for example, who is a huge inspiration in the way that she crafted such a amazing life for herself and such a unique journey and ascent and like playing such an amazing long game as oh, well God, yes. but she um yeah she's just like such a master class in doing it all and making it look so good oh my god her performance in hustler i talk about like body and mind and strength and that shit was off the chain that was so fun like when she came on screen i feel like my whole body went like backwards because i was just so oh my god i feel you so she just know she just owns everything and then anything that you are doubting she'll grab it you know like if you think for it made yeah like she'll just go for it it. made me want to be just a badder bolder bitch i know like just just (laughs) just being in just being in in her presence through the screen, I was like, God damn, yeah. that, that was so good. And seeing those type of inspirations and influences, talking about like a long game and, you know, the people that you have been around, like your orbit through your life, I suppose like not having a mentor, look at where you are now, you know, you're absolutely thriving, you've got a new album coming out, like you're taking care of yourself. But I do understand that need, because even like talking about RV, like working with somebody like Robin who is a just an absolute legend and icon and will always be forever you know and having that somebody yeah. near you I suppose you oh I mean no honestly you know? I but I got I will I must I must give credit to my experience with him because oh. he he showed me just by being around him and then being around him with his family because his, his daughter is one of my best friends to this day and we've oh. been friends since the rv premiere actually but wow. his work ethic is what i really took from it 
and and I learned like he was the first to arrive on set, the last to leave. He never complained. He was, you know, always had ideas. He remembered people's names. He was thoughtful. He modeled behavior to me that I wanted to model. You, you know mm. what I mean? I, I really, really respected that. And it, it really left an impression on me. You know, that lasting memory is just unbelievable to speak of him so highly. Like, that's just so, it c- kind of makes me a little teary. He truly is one of a kind. Like, yeah, what, what a phenomenal spirit. What a phenomenal spirit, for real. Yeah. And just a talent that, like, is uncomparable. And amazing that you got to experience that. Like l- your life, like just looking at what you've done is just, the, it's, crazy. Like, it's crazy. Like I was trying to look at it because I know I've obviously, you know, been a fan for a long time and just trying to look at it. Like how the hell did you do so much in such a short amount of time? Like the amount that you did, I know that it had a toll on you. Nothing is roses, but also there is that pride, like speaking about pride of what you've actually achieved is really mind blowing. It's interesting because I don't think about my life as like, wow, what an amazing, I mean, right. uh, but but I'm actually in the process of kind of telling my story and, and, and seeing how laying it out um, after I did this, I did a documentary uh, with Uproxx. It was like 25 minutes, very succinct but like well done I think they really did a good job with telling my story in a really condensed way but it it made me realize that I have so much more wild experiences to 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 share not only of my story up until this point but I'm sure even just in the chapters to come so I'm starting to like write that out and talk it through because it's it's juicy so I I, I want to share it somehow I'm not sure how memoir where are we getting your bio we need it we need your you gotta write your life story okay you gotta do it it. there's a lot in there and the things that you tackle are not you don't tackle it with any sort of um there's no pretense like when you speak about something I don't feel like I'm being told a story that somebody else has told you that somebody else has told them and I do feel like that that is so so unique and magical to have that experience, you know, to be able to go through the crap that you've gone through and then also come out at the end of it and go like, hey, there's probably still more crap to go through, but I'm ready. You know, <laughs> like I'm I'm fucking ready. I'm I definitely here. am ready. I, I am ready. I, I, I do believe in myself. I've earned that belief. I've, I've proven to myself, you know, um, and I think self-awareness is just such an ill uh, quality to, to have. And I, I recommend that if I, just getting getting introspective is, is worth it, because then I think you can have deeper relationships with with other people. And it's Absolutely. just more, more meaningful, because when you're coming from a place of full like openness and transparency, it really is contagious and people will open up to you. It, and it's. I just really dig it. I find it to be satisfying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, a total superpower. But so when when you are speaking about those things that technically you may have moved on from but are still, you know, in, enriching your story, how do you cleanse yourself of all of it? Like, because I can only imagine it's a little bit tiring, you know, speaking about everything that's happened to you with what the label did to you hold, withholding some of your songs. I know we spoke about that last year. And then also just attacking your life like this, like look look at the record, you know, you lay it out. So what do you do to make yeah. sure that at the end of the day you are also really okay with having having that out there and speaking about it as well? 
That's a good question. And that might be something that I need to tap into more and think about because honestly, I'm fucking tired of it. I really am. I am tired of, of rehashing the past, but I'm also not an asshole. No. So I also don't want to, I also, you know, I'm just, I'm not interested. I I will get to a point where I'm just like, I'm, I'm probably not going to talk about this anymore just because I've done hundreds of interviews about it. So it's just, yeah, you you know what I mean? But I'm not, I also don't expect everybody to know my story, care about my story or, you know what I'm saying? So I don't think it's like, I don't think it's my job to educate people on me because I'm not something that um, people need to be educated on. There's much more important things, but if people are interested in me, then I, I, I try to keep it in perspective that they just might not know. So let me just give them an abridged version and, but some, like it doesn't, it doesn't make me mad to like think about quote unquote what I've been through because sure. everybody has gone through things, and I am a really strong individual, and I know that I wouldn't be the woman that I am today if it weren't for all those colorful experiences. So like I've had amazing ups, some really low lows, and that's life. We all have multiple stories, so it's. It's endless. It's just yeah, like it's endless. And what a blessing to be able to go through that as well, like in a weird way, to also just be able to close a chapter because this album feels like it's a really good time for it to come out. Potentially, obviously, for you and for your fans and for anyone who is going through similar things. I'm really excited for people to make this their own because it, it music is so personal, but it's especially in, in the in the life that I've chosen in the way that I want to make music, which is, you know, and put it out and release it. Like, I don't want to hoard it. I, I want to share it. So I want, um, I hope that people go on their own journeys just like, just like I did, you know, right. and, and it's not like you just arrive at this place of self-love and you're like, okay, I'm done. I've arrived. I love myself now. <laughs> It's like, it's a friggin' loop. I've been oh on this loop God. a few times now. Yes, every day. It's like, oh, but I learned that five times yesterday. Why am I repeating right. it again today? Like, what is what is this Groundhog's Day? I don't understand. For real. Um, but talking about sharing, do you remember your the very first concert that you ever went to? Honestly, I don't remember what the very first one was because I always, like, I'm such a huge live music fan, um, but I think maybe like my first big concert, I went to um, this venue called the Tweeter Center in Mansfield, Massachusetts, go see like a local radio show, like, you know, where like radio stations have summer jams or whatever. Right. And it was like, yeah. I had to have been seven, seven or eight years old. And it was oh like Britney Spears on her first album oh. and not 98 <laughs> degrees and, and like acts like that. And I was just like, uh, it was like I'm just living my pop star prepubescent life. Totally. Did you see that kind of culmination of all those artists on stage and ever think that that was something you wanted to do? Like, what was the spark? Was it? Oh yes, honey. I, I already knew. Yeah. I already knew. Like at, at at that at that concert that I went to, I sang for every single security guard until I made it back to Britney Spears' dressing room. And then I ended up getting offered a production deal by her production company. Yeah, so I I was very, very strangely precocious. Swear to God. (gasps) Yeah, so I I mean, like, from from the age of 
five years old, probably I was watching, you know, Mariah Carey on oh, and Whitney nice. Houston on TV and, and, and wanting to be like them. And uh, so I always knew, I always knew and I was always chasing my, my singing dreams. Yeah. Oh my God. So you went backstage and di- so did you meet her or were you just like, what songs were you singing? Were you singing her songs? I don't remember. I think probably. I mean, I know I was singing like I loved Aretha Franklin. I probably sang Chain of Fools and I probably I probably sang one of her songs. And that's how I convinced my way backstage. It wasn't just me, but I was like, Mom, I want to go meet, you know, I want to meet Britney Spears. Yeah. And she was like, "Okay," like and I was like, I'm going to, you know, see if I can sing my way through security. Like I literally came up with, with this. I was such a weirdo. But yeah, I met her and she um filmed me and was like oh my god and I was in her dressing room for you know like 20 minutes and like she called her lawyer and it was crazy I mean again it's like a movie but so when you started being you know on stage you were now in the green room in the dressing room you had your own security and stuff was it anything like you had imagined when you were young being on the opposite side of that yes it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that. I, I never had any little girls with thick Boston accents coming and, yeah. and singing uh, for me and me wanting to sign them. But I was open to that. I was, um, But yeah, I mean, I think the reality of things is usually less glamorous than how we envision it. So it's a lot. It's, it's much more of a grind than like you don't just you don't just uh, at least in my experience, like go from from having a dream to like stepping into a dressing room that's all white with white roses and you know uh bare skin rugs and and stuff like it's you you play some nasty venues and you work your way was there ever a clear line though between when you loved singing and then when you loved performing like how those two because you started so so young you had that vision you had that passion and you wanted to go after it did those separate as experiences for you when you were younger or was singing, singing to other people? Like how much of it was for that live performance aspect? Actually, a lot of it was. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm an only child and my parents divorced when I was young, but I remember family coming over to the house and whenever people would be over, I would like take them by the hand and, <laughs> and ask them to, to sit down on the floor and for me to get in the middle and so, so I would perform for them. My family must have been so annoyed by me. But like if anybody, anytime anybody would come over or if I went to the, the local nail salon where my aunt was getting her nails done or whatever or her hair done, I would ask the ladies what they wanted me to sing. And then I would ask for money. Like I was so strange, but I loved performing for people. And I, I wanted to make money for ice cream so I could walk to the center of town and get yeah yeah you had a goal I mean business sense I did yeah (laughs) you made it a business but I do feel like there's this there's a thing with live performance I mean like think of why you love live music it's that it's that feeling again kind of like what we were alluding to earlier that you can't really put down it's it's a it's a muscle that you have to work through and work on and being a performer versus being the fan of course, those things are completely different. But, you know, you can sense a performer when they are a fan too. Like, you, you you, just know. Like, when you watch someone on stage and you just know if they love it for the right reasons. You know what I mean? I agree. There's there's that, like, this frequency that is yes. transmitted, this, this energy, you know, as, as 
woo-woo as that sounds. There just yeah. is, there's that indescribable thing. So was there like the performer, other than obviously having like loving Aretha and Jennifer and Brittany, having Brittany, you know, experiencing that so young, was there a performer that you really identified with or almost aspired to be like, like typically, you know, artists will watch an icon or an artist, they live on stage and then, you know, spend years trying to be that artist. But you started so young, you didn't, it wasn't like you, you saw somebody when you were seven or eight and then at 17, you know, you already jumped right. ahead. So was there someone who, not that you like wanted to be, but somebody that just made you feel like, hang on, I can actually do that too. Beyonce, because she excels at absolutely everything. But but mind you, I'm going I'm to name some people. And then I know that I don't, that I am not even coming close to them because we are all we are all totally different mm, and and like yeah. Beyonce really is yeah we're we're on our own path and she is just she represents like excellence on every level um and I've always thought I've always admired her for just how she consistently delivers over the years and how she's grown from like being a teenager in Destiny Child to being this fully fledged grown woman this businesswoman this this absolute force in the world um so I've always like looked up to her, um, Mariah Carey, because of her incredible songwriting and obviously her unparalleled voice and her longevity in, in the game. Um, I would say those those women for sure. And 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 J Lo, like I have to really give it up yeah. to her because she has such an unlikely and incredible success story when you really think of the humble beginning she comes from and it's very very inspiring seeing these people and then knowing you know how the team works like you know the back end of the things obviously everybody has their own mode how did you manage then on the album to go back to that like how important is that little collaborative orbit for you especially when dealing with your own material why like why did you pick the people that you picked to work with and how important was that for you? It's it's really important to me to find somebody that I trust creatively because I don't produce. Like I'm I'm learning logic right now and I'm 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 wanting to be more hands-on, but like I know where my shortcomings are and right. collaboration is really important. Um I mean if you can if you can do everything by yourself, I can understand why you might want to do that. Right. But I I do get get a lot also from being open to other people's experience and influence and ideas and creativity, because there's just something really magical about like that exchange. And uh, just like, it's like cooking, you know, using different, different ingredients or like letting somebody come into your kitchen and yeah, just try something different. So I think it's delicious. Um, And so it's, it's really important to find somebody who like you, you guys understand each other. You're speaking a similar language. Your references are, you know, something that you both understand. And um, I found that on, on this album. And I, I know that I'll collaborate further with these people. And this is just like the beginning of, um, of, of a relationship because I have been on so many like first dates and it, yeah. it felt, you know, I, I mean, I mean like music, musical first right, dates right, where you're like, right. you know, you, you, you get set up in a session, you, you try, try it out. And then you're like, I don't know if I want a second date. And, yeah. and they probably felt the same way. You know what I mean? It's just like, isn't, it's, it's it's compatibility right and it's comfort and it's vibe and timing and all that stuff so 
Um, I, I really, I really love like working with Lito and Doc McKinney and his crew and 30 Rock. I really, and then the co-writers I worked with on this album from Kennedy to Nat Dunn, um, to Carolyn Aylin and Brendan Ski. And yeah, I, I found like a really good, good crew. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And also going through that journey and just knowing how much, you know, you're needing to still learn as well. I think that that's like, it's such an important thing. I always wonder like what curiosity looks like in those processes, because as a creator, mm. it's so fascinating to know where to put your curiosity. And especially now when everybody's locked in their homes, usually like you'd be out traveling, touring the world, right? Like now you have your- Getting that stimulation exactly. and inspiration. What does your curiosity look like now? It's a cool question. I, I guess going through this, this loop again of like processing discomfort and my feelings and like what's coming up and seeing how I can be a better friend, be a better- uh, you know, future partner, be a better daughter. Like, I just want to continue to level up. So I'm, I'm getting curious as to like what I can do to hold myself, to look at myself and, and lovingly be like, how can I be better right. in, in this area? You know, how could I have more abundance or more happiness? Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious about those things. And I, I do think curiosity maybe gets a bad rap. I've, it's led me into some, situations that are, like aren't the, the dopest right. like personally but 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 I think it can be a really beautiful thing because asking questions uh, does have the power to you know change your perspective and maybe change the world oh absolutely and you also like have such a good connection with your fans as well like it's not like you're disconnected you know, talking about curiosity and then lending it to like what your fans want to know, what people, you know, and I, I always think like, well, maybe this is a weird question now because we're in, you know, coronavirus times. But do you have a memory of like a fan interaction when you were touring, maybe sometime during, you know, the beginning stages that just was totally the weirdest interaction that you've ever had? You know what's fucked up is that the way my memory works is that yeah. if something really disturbing happens, it's gone. I don't know where it goes, <laughs> but I don't. It's gone. It's it a is fucking gone. Mechanism. But, yeah. Nah, it really is. It's it's deep. I I know, but like, <laughs> I I can't recall something off top that's mm -hmm. like really really crazy because crazy things happen every day. Yeah, and and I I try to like you know have empathy and understanding for where people, you know, people are nervous, people are coming from a, a different, you know, people have hyped themselves up, blah, blah, blah. But um, I, I do, I, I have a really incredible fan base. Like the ones who have been with me from day one are unbelievable. And then new ones who are coming into the fold, they're just, they're so cool. Like mm. my fans are, are curious, they're passionate, they love music, they're open. And we have, we have a really dope community. So, um, I I do feel really connected to them through via technology, like and mostly Instagram and Twitter, and it makes me feel not as alone because we we are all you know in in our cribs or um, for those who are keeping our economy going, you know they're they're still maintaining their their work and everything, but we're all just in an unprecedented time, so 
I, I appreciate that connection even more than ever. Right. right. And I know that like some people, obviously during this time, like some people have like desert, you know, you know, like desert island discs when you go to an island and they think they ask you like, what are the things that you would take with you on the island when you have nothing? And I wanted to ask like, what are your like quarantine how do I even phrase this? Like, what are your quarantine island discs? Like, what are the things that you have now that you can't go out and get that you're turning to for comfort or, you know, just to keep yourself motivated? Like, what are the what's the music kind of playing around around your home now? I was listening to hold on, let me let me pull it up so I can be real accurate with you. But like this morning, <laughs> thank you, I appreciate this that. morning. I was listening to Fela Kute. Um, <gasps> And that Amazing. is so so random, but I'm just, I'm getting into, because I love Afrobeat. I, yes. I love the music that's coming out of West Africa. And yeah. I, I know, that, I don't know if I'm calling it by the right term now. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're re repurposing the, the name, but I wanted to go back to the origins of that. Um, I mean, to, to just where I, I know Fela is like one of the, the pioneers of, Oh of, my God! Yeah, genre. Oh. Yeah, so so that really, I was so tired this morning, and I put that on, just made me feel, um, made me feel much much better. I've been listening to, um, uh, let's see, Jacob Collier, who is a oh, collaborator of mine. Amazing! Um, I love him. I had him on the show a few weeks ago. He's just I, the best. My boo! I love him so much too. <laughs> um, I like the Weekends' new album a lot. Diana yeah. Gordon. Um, my boy Lido released a sick song called Post Club Ride Home Music. Um, I was just listening to When I Get Home last night by Solange. I just think oh. that one and A Seat at the Seat at the Table are just oh masterpieces. And um, yeah, so, and I'm, I'm listening to Pop Smoke as well, Rest in Peace. He had such a cool voice uh, as a rapper, and I was so excited to see what he was doing. Tame Impala. As you can tell, my my musical tastes are very all over the place. <laughs> yeah, but there's still like the same energy. Like listening to like Fela and any sort of like West African music, there's there's an energy to that that's really uplifting. There and is. there's like a real earnestness and honesty, which I can also put right next to Solange. And you know what I mean? Right. And a lot of people I, that you I, mentioned. I, I, I like that word. You know what I mean? I like I that mean? word, earnest, because yeah. I think that that's something that I that I seek and um, it resonates with me, that earnestness. What do you feel like you still need to be doing now? Like, what is the thing that you're constantly reminding yourself that you're needing right now in order to, you know, get through the release of the record whilst during this really unusual time um, and then hopefully taking it on the road or writing more material? Like, what is the thing that you needing to remember now? That there will always be something to write about that even when I feel like I don't know what I'm going to say next, I don't need to know. I just need to show up um, and, you know, start singing and, or I'm, I'm learning how to play the piano finally while I'm in quarantine. Like I, I've, I've just been like locked, locked down with my piano and I want to incorporate that into my writing and performing as well. So like those little, um, those rituals of like sitting down and humbling myself and practicing and, wanting to become a better singer, a better player, a better uh, collaborator. Like I just, that excites me because I feel like I've really just, uh, it's the tip of the iceberg for me as, as an artist. And I, I haven't always felt like that, but I feel really encouraged with 
progress and being able to like see that even like with my piano playing you know and do you think there is that artist that you've never seen live you would want to see live like is there anyone that in that live music realm like on your little list of you know your bucket list is there anyone that you wish you could see live and you'll definitely make it a thing after all of this is over Mm, oh man um I've I've got to see so many people yeah. live. Like D'Angelo's uh, Voodoo is one of my favorite oh, albums of all time and one of the most influential. And I got to see him perform like twice during his Black Messiah, you know, renaissance uh, for this latest album. So wow. I don't know. I mean, I got to see him. I got to see Prince, rest in peace. Like, <gasps> I don't know who. I've seen Beyonce. Oh I've God. seen uh, Kendrick Lamar, who I think put on one of the illest shows I've ever seen. Um I've never seen Kanye live. That would be cool. But like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've, I've got to see a lot of amazing people perform. Oh my God. Okay. Wait. Oh, okay. Joni Mitchell is still alive. And I, if, if she she's is, is going to perform anywhere, I want going. to be there. That's my woman. Do you have a favorite Joni song? I've got to ask. Okay. I, the, the first one that comes to mind yeah. is down, down to you. Oh my God. Um, because I think she's talking about herself. You know, she's like, uh, it's it's down to you, constant stranger. You're a, uh, you're a kind person. You're a cold person too. It's down to you. And she's just like examining herself and looking, you know, from all these different sides. And I also love the Hijera album where she's, um, uh, the the song Amelia. Oh, Mm. I don't know. I could, I could talk about Joni Mitchell for years. (laughs) <laughs> do you know you have to do a Joni Mitchell cover? Like it's just it's done now. It's in you the know, it's I in the books. Did, though. Where I, did I, you? I did on on one of my mixtapes. Yeah, I did Free Man in Paris. And I called it I called it White Girl in Paris. So <laughs> definitely check that out. Of course you did. You bloody nutter. Of course you did. I'm going to go listen to it. I have to. I was listening to actually California this morning because it's just one of those songs oh my God. that like. <gasps> Even if you don't like, I've never, I've never lived in California. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I used wow. to feel that she perfectly encapsulated that feeling of, especially of like that Laurel Canyon, you know, <gasps> late sixties. Oh. That's so cool. It just put, puts me. I just wish I was there. <laughs> I know. Well, you never know. Time travel. Yeah. <laughs> This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kivel. We'd like to thank Dean Berger and Daniel Brater for additional music, as well as the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TMBTGPod. And generally, just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again, and I miss you already. Consequence Podcast Network.